Joe, good morning. Hey, good morning, Ty. How are you? Doing all right. Tell me about the farm. We farm out here in west central Indiana, about 25 miles east of Illinois, south of 74. Uh, we raise no-till uh, corn, soybeans. We raise a little bit of genetically engineered crops, non-genetically engineered crops, and even have a little bit in transition organics. So we've got a variety and uh, throw some beef cattle on top of that, and we're pretty busy. How does one become the hippie farmer? <laughs> I chose the hippie farmer for my handle because of all the cover cropping we've been doing and uh, the, the non-genetically engineered crops that we've been planting. It's uh, a little bit out of the normal and it kind of fit the hippie mold and uh, looking forward to some warm weather and cranking up some Bob Marley. <laughs> So, you know, across the Midwest, we're hearing more and more about cover crops, and it seems like a lot of farmers will try it for a year or two and give up because they don't see results. But really, talk to not only the farmers listening, but also our listeners about cover crops and what they do and how long you should give them. You know, that's a really good thought to have there about the length that you should try it. You know, it's not going to be for everybody, and some soils out in this corn belt, I don't know if they need them, but if you've got erosion, that's a huge deal. And in the wintertime, we're seeing snow banks that are white by our fields and then brown on the neighbors. And that right there really uh, wrapped things up for me to seal the deal on using them. Uh, not only that, we've taken some farms that we've picked up. And uh, after even one year of cereal rot, letting that grow up and head out, you get a massive root structure. And taking a backhoe out there to confirm what we think is going on is, has been really, really good. Our organic matter is really low here. We need all the help we can get. The guys in Iowa, they probably just laugh at me. When we used to see green in the wintertime, we, we kind of knew it was wheat. That was just the norm. What are we seeing out there now? If cover crops are out there, what might be in the field over the winter? Uh, over the winter, you're going to see dead oats, which isn't green. Uh, maybe some radishes that still have some green left to them. We've got a lot of rye out, and that's going to be the green that you see here. Also, red clover as well. So we talked about cover crops, and, and you kind of do that, and you're kind of hippie in that way. But some farmers would say growing non-GMO corn is kind of hippie, too. Why take that route? Well, uh, it all started with the cattle. I've got a friend who started a non-GMO seed corn company, and he said, hey, why don't you feed your cattle this corn and market it as non-GMO fed corn to people in town? And I was like, well, that's a good idea. So we tried it, and we got along really good. Uh, there was no yield drag for us, and the seed was cheaper. It just made sense to turn all of our corn over to those acres. And we're kind of in a unique area. I know west of here, there's a lot of insect pressures that we don't have here. So it, it just kind of happens to be at the right place at the right time and works out real good for us. You mentioned the cattle earlier. How many head do you have there on the farm? Uh, we've probably got about 250 mouths to feed every morning. And, of course, that goes to even more mouths to feed on down the line. It sounds like, from a local standpoint, you're doing a pretty good business there. Yeah, actually, you know, even past the grain farming, when you get into the cattle, you know, we've built a freezer beef business with that. And uh, we've even opened a year-round farmer's market storefront in town with three other vendors. I'm always curious about that because that is a one-on-one -on -one interaction with consumers and and really a chance to tell your story and the story of agriculture. How do you use those moments to your advantage? You know, that has been a really interesting part about the whole farmer's market in the summertime and now the store. Uh, you've got consumers that come in and they don't really know anything about what goes on. They're really curious. You hear all these horror stories about 
consumers or activists really talking down or, or having protest signs with farmers anywhere they're at. Uh, it's been a really good interaction with the community and uh, really good education opportunities. You know, you, you get questions that might be simple to us on the farm, but they're, they're really genuine. And, and once you explain where their food comes from and how we feed them, you know, I've seen that GMO, non-GMO argument disappear just because that they know that somebody really puts their heart into what they're doing. Well, and you mentioned non-GMO, and I know that you've had this conversation. And it's no wonder consumers are a little bit afraid of what they might be eating because of all the marketing that's going on out there. But as a non-GMO grower of corn and beef, what do you make of all these labels that are going on foods that really wouldn't have a GMO in them anyway? I saw anything from ketchup with non-GMO label on it to uh, my wife's lipstick has a non-GMO label on it. As a GMO grower and a guy that's doing it right, what do you make of all that? You know, that kind of reminds me, I was at a restaurant and I was looking down the menu and I looked at the lobster and it said gluten-free lobster. And, uh, <laughs> you know, claims like that and the ketchup where there, there is no GMO ingredient anyway, the labeling that is used just for fear, it drives me nuts. Now, if it's going to be corn like we do, we're there to give the consumer a choice. No matter how educated they are, they might just feel a little bit easier about it having that non-GMO option, that's fine. But if somebody's going to label a loaf of bread non-GMO wheat, well, we know there's that's not out there. False claims like that really kind of ruin it for the rest of us. And plus, it's just, it's really just fear-mongering and playing for a, a dollar grab that really isn't any different than anybody else out there. One of the great farmers of the Midwest, this week's featured farmer on Farm and Country Radio. If you're driving through Crawfordsville, Indiana, and see a tie-dyed John Deere and a peace sign in the front yard, you know that's the hippie farmer, Joe Mills. Joe, thank you so much for everything you do on the farm, and thanks for being a part of this weekend show. Hey, thanks a lot, Ty. Good talking with you.